You're listening to Pastor Don Cherry from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, recorded March 14, 2021. For more information about our church, visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or find us on all things social at svbcfamily. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. God's grace is enough, isn't it? Sufficient for every need. Sufficient for everything we may face. Take your Bibles this morning and go to Psalm 11.3. Psalm 11.3. I'm going to use that as a springboard this morning. But there'll be a, a number of scriptures we're, we're, we're going, going to use. Um, I'm going to ask you really in your prayers uh, this morning because I've just been kind of wrestling this week with how you know to present what I want to do today. Everything that hopefully be, you know, we'd be able to follow will be encouraging. Uh, but I've been um, in conversation with pastors and um, in reading of various articles and such. And it seems the one big question that is out there right now is how do we as Christians respond to our culture? How do we respond to it? In Psalms 11.3, the Bible said, if the, if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? If the foundations... So we have to ask ourselves the question, what foundation is the Bible talking about? We probably think right off the bat, well, it's foundation of faith. Okay? If the foundations of faith be destroyed, then what shall the righteous do? But I think there's more to it than that. And that's kind of what I want to get at this morning as we go down through this. Because, you know... There was a time, and I go back just in, you know, the years since I've gotten saved, you know, as a teenager, moving up through these 40 years of ministry. You know, there used to be a time, and I guess you could say I kind of I kind of cut my teeth ministry down in the uh, southwest, down in Oklahoma, down in Texas, down in the Bible Belt. Matter of fact, the buckle of the Bible Belt, you know, where it was very rare to run into anyone anything, who didn't believe in God who wasn't going to church, you know, or who didn't believe that the Bible was the Word of God. It was just very rare to find somebody who did not. But now it seems that we've kind of flipped that over. And, you know, we find more people that, I don't believe in God, I don't believe the Bible is the Word of God, you know, we, I, I'm my own God, I do my own thing, and such as like that. And it seems to be becoming more rare of people who are in the house of God who do believe the Word of God, who abide by the Word of God, you see. Just things have kind of flipped over. And yet, uh, the Bible says that's going to happen in the last days, right? And all where good become evil, evil become good. You know, just everything's kind of flipped up on his ear. So what I want to look at this morning, because the questions that we had to answer at one time were questions like, who is God? Who is Jesus? How do I get to heaven? Does God really love me? How can I know that the Bible is the word of God? Those were the questions that we basically had to sit down and answer, okay? But now, those rarely come up in the conversation at all. Here's what we hear primarily from people who are unchurched, who are unsaved, such like that. Those at the church that we're trying to reach with the gospel of Christ, here's their question. Why is Christianity racist, homophobic? intolerant? That's the questions we have to answer. That is the layer we have to get through if we're going to get to the place of the gospel. 
okay? So we've got to learn to respond to that, okay? We've got to learn to respond to that. So with that, I want to look this morning at three biblical institutions. Of course, there's only three, right, if you look in Scripture. The three institutions that God brought into being was out of the home, we're going to look at that, was that of government, believe it or not, okay, ordained of God, and then, of course, the church. Those are the three institutions that God brought in. So, with that, thinking of, of, of the question that is out there, how do we as believers respond to our world, our culture today? And we certainly want to greet those who are joining us by um, live stream. We appreciate you uh, being with us this morning and certainly hope that you receive a blessing from the message this morning. So let's look at the home that God brought into existence all the way back in the garden as the foundation of society, right? That was what was to be the foundation. Everything grows up from there. And you know, if you built anything, you've got to have a solid foundation under it. Amen? Okay? You build a lousy foundation. I don't care how pretty the walls and the roof look and everything. It's coming down. You've got to have the foundation. And God brought the home into existence there in the very first book of the Bible. Started in the garden. And he designed it with one man and one woman. Okay, now I'm not telling you anything new, right? You understand this. But again, I want you to understand there is a generation out there that that doesn't connect with, all right? And we've got to realize this. One man and one woman. And then they were to be fruitful and multiply. This is how we came about, correct? Okay, we understand. We go back to that. We go back to that. Now, he also gave a divine order in that that our culture today doesn't grasp. So what did he say? God said the man is to be the head of the home. Didn't he? Okay, am I right on that? The man is to be the head of the home. Why don't you go out on the street corner and preach that today? Okay, and just see where that gets you. But we've seen things that have totally turned. And by the way, guys, does not mean that the man is the dictator of the home. The man is the head of the home. Matter of fact, he tells us that we are to love our wives, how? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Isn't that what the Bible says? So when we look at that sacrifice that Christ gave for us, then guess what, fellas? That is what we are to emulate when it comes to our wives and our family. But see, these things like that, this is foreign to this culture. This is foreign to the society. And I know you and I, being an older people and everything, maybe we don't grasp that. But let me tell you something. If we're going to reach a younger generation, we better grasp it. And we better know how to address it, you see. We better know how to address it. And then the wife, of course, she is to submit herself. Boy, there's another one that gets you shot. Okay? I mean, let's fade. But here's the thing. That word submit means to undergird. It means to undergird. She's to undergird her husband. She's to support her husband, understanding the position that God has placed him in. Folks, here's the thing, thing. Man did not bring about the home. Man did not design the home. God designed the home. All right? We've got to get a hold of that. Okay? That's God's truth, and that's not going to change, regardless of what culture may teach. But we've got to be able to address this biblically. If we're going to be able to get to the heart of issues. And then kids, Bible's very clear. Hey, you obey your mom and dad. 
Okay? Pretty simple. They're to obey. All right? They're to obey. Listen. Listen to the instruction that the parents give you. But what are we seeing in our culture today? We are seeing the demise of the home as a result, I believe, of its redefinition. We are seeing the home being redefined. I shared with it in Sunday school class this morning, and possibly you don't know, and everything, but according to the Family Foundation in all the state of Virginia, and I don't know if it was in committee or whatever like that, but the state of Virginia has begun the process of changing the Virginia Constitution when it comes to marriage that says one man, one woman to eliminate that and just make marriage whatever grouping of people there is. That all humans have that right, that fundamental right, so... That's what we're going to go. This state of Virginia, okay? You might have noticed in your bulletin and everything, we gave you a contact of your local federal representatives, okay? Hang on to that. We need, I'm going to address that a little bit farther as we go on, but there's a reason behind that. So here's the thing about the home, especially if you've been in church any, any length of time. We know that we speak out issues that affect the home, Right? Okay? We, we deal with that. And we seek to strengthen the home. There's been marriage conferences. There's been conferences on the home. There's been conferences on parenting. There's complete ministries out there, focus on the family, family research council, other, that are dedicated to the home. We speak out against those things. And thing we try to strengthen, we try to undergird it through the word of God. And rightly so. Rightly so. Now just keep that in mind as I move down. Now, I'm going to jump government for, for a little bit because that's what my address is last. I want to look at the church for just a moment. We know that the church was brought about for a spe- with a specific calling for a specific mission, right? Matthew chapter 28, we're to make disciples. How do we make disciples? By ministering the word of God, seeing them get baptized, and then teaching them. That's making disciples, okay? That is the church's job. That is not the pastor's job only. That is not the deacon's job only. That's each one of us, okay? We are to be disciple makers. We're called to be a witness. We're called to be a testimony. Therefore, we are to be a disciple makers. I've seen too many times, too many times, Brother Scott, you may have experienced this too, that somebody comes to the pastor and says, hey, I just led somebody to Christ this week and everything, preacher, I'm going to bring him to you so you can teach him. No, no. Connie, you lead somebody to Christ. You know what? You teach them. Larry, you lead somebody to Christ. You teach them. We're all in this. That's what making disciples is, you see? We're to do that. We understand that. We get that. Matter of fact, Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 27, it all tells us everything that we're to proclaim the whole counsel of God, right? Look it up if you don't believe me, okay? Acts chapter 20 and verse 27, we are to commit the whole counsel of God. That's what Paul said he did in his ministry. He didn't hold nothing back. But why is it in some cases that when it comes to the home, when it comes to the church, there's some particular subjects we just stay off of? Why do we do that? We don't deal with the subject of divorce because we don't want to hurt anybody, and certainly we don't. It's sad that that has happened, but yet, what does God teach about that? See so many other things. You know, when we talk about kids and everything, we, one of the things we do, we talk about disciplining our kids, don't we? Amen? 
discipline our kids. And listen, my brother, bless his heart, always used to accuse me and everything. He, he, he said that my way of discipline was, you know, that's what, and yes, you know, I'll admit, okay, I did spank my kids. Okay, so now you can call the sheriff's department, have me arrested, whatever you want to do, but I did that. Okay, anybody else in here ever, ever paddle your kids? Okay, great. And by the way, let me share with this and everything. There's nowhere the Bible says that we're to punish our children. The Bible does say we're to correct them. Okay? And we've got to, we've got to look at whatever means need it and everything to get that message across. You know, it might be a spanking. It might be grounded. I'll tell you one thing that killed my boys and everything was take the phone away from them. Everything. Man, you ground them from the phone for two weeks and everything, they come crawling back to you real quick. <laughs> they just say, do anything that but that, Dad. You know, don't take the phone away. And also, you know, there's things that you use to hurt. But, you know, there are those subjects. That's what I'm trying to talk, uh, get to you, is all, that we tend to, you know, we, we, we tend to avoid. And, and here's one. Let me just put this out there. And, and you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I pray to God we never have to face it. We never have to face it. We will talk about disciplining our children, but what about disciplining wayward church members? Like the Bible teaches. Well, we don't want to do that, do we? You see? We kind of stay off some things, don't we? We kind of, we, we kind of reserve ourselves when it comes to some of the things that we'll handle. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 14 says that we're to be salt and light. Salt and light. Okay, when you think of salt, you know, a couple things about salt. Salt is a preserver, okay? It's a preserver. It also creates thirst. In other words, God has told us as the church, we are to be salt. We are to be a preserver, a preserver of what? A preserver of his truth, I believe. A preserver of his truth. I mean, the schools aren't going to preserve his truth. Governments are not going to preserve his truth. Other institutions, we the church have been admonished and challenged and commissioned to preserve the truth of God as salt. But you know what? Our lives are also supposed to create thirst. Do people look at us and say, you know what? I want what you got. I want what you got. And how can you handle this thing going on? How can you face this with a smile? How does it seem that your spirit and everything just overrides everything? Does our, do people see that? Do we create thirst in our lives to a lost and dying world? And then light, be a blessing. Be a blessing, okay? Be a blessing. That's what the Bible says. But then here's the thing. Then why do we limit? Why do we limit what we speak of? Where we're to be salt. Where we're to be light. Where we're to declare the whole counsel of God. Why do we put limits on that? Because you agree with me this morning, and I hope you do, that the home and the church were divine institutions but that God brought in into play, right? Y'all agree with that? Amen. Home in the garden, church, day of Pentecost, Jesus Christ, and, and such like that, the coming of the Holy Spirit. We agree with that, right? Well, guess what? God also brought government in. That too is a divine institution with a divine purpose, okay? And that goes back to where we see about the foundations. If the foundations be destroyed, what do the righteous do? Because here's the thing. What does the Bible tell us about government now, which came in after the flood, all right? After the flood, God established human government, okay, to what? 
Well, if we go to Paul's writing in Revelation, I'm sorry, Revelation in Romans chapter 13, we see that the purpose of government is one to wield the sword against evil. All right, to discourage evil. We have the law. You break the law. There's punishment, but also encourage people to do good so that we can live peaceably among one another. That's what God said government's for. As much as we decry government, as much as we may not like government, as much as we don't like what's taking place in government today, nonetheless, it has been established by God for a specific purpose, just like the home, just like the church. So the question here we started out with, how do we respond? Why do we respond differently to the home and church than we do government? If they're all three divine institutions. Now understand my point. I don't think it's for us to get up here and support a political party. Our hope is not in a political party. Our hope is in Christ. Okay? I don't think we need to be get up here and railing on this politician, that politician, such and that. That's not our purpose. Okay? However, I do believe that we need to address issues that directly affect us as a body, as a church, from carrying out what God has called us to do. Amen. We must. And thank God we live in a country where we can. You know, I don't know if America, personal opinion, I don't know if America was divinely raised up like Israel. I know Israel's a chosen people. I get all that. But when you look at the founding of this country, you can't deny the foundations of faith that were there and built upon the word of God. You can't not deny that the majority of our founding fathers, though maybe not saved, believed in the God of the Bible and believed Bible is the word of God. And they set this country up as such. Matter of fact, in 1896, the Supreme Court of the United States just made a declaration. Of course, it's no law. But basically made a declaration and said that America is a Christian nation. Now, we've heard that it's not. And I don't believe that declaration was based upon its people, so to speak. Because obviously, you go back there just like you do today. You've got many people who want nothing to do with Christ, don't live Christian life, anything like that. You cannot say that as the populace of this country that we are a Christian nation. However, when you go to the foundation of the founding of this country, you can say, yes, we were built on Christian principles. You can't get away from it. It's there. But yet, we many times choose to not say anything. To not lift up our voice. To not take part. And I think that comes from the fact that we have been hammered with separation of church and state. All right? I challenge you to find that anywhere in our founding documents. Because it's not there. But we've been told it long enough. We say, don't want any involvement. Certainly, we do not want the state coming in and telling us what to do. However, do you understand that's exactly what the Equality Act will do? And if we're not standing up and saying anything, praying awful hard, then guess what? That's going to happen. That's going to happen. So we won't want that happening, so we say, well, so we won't get involved there. But yet, if government is a divine institution brought by God, 
then should we not address when things start going off the rail? Just like we did, would do the home, just like we would do the church. Should we not, you see? We've also been told that you don't mix religion and politics, and I get that. I get that. I would never get up here and tell you, here's who you need to vote for. I would never get up here and tell you that this is the party you need to get involved in. But you know what? I, I have no choice but to tell you when there are issues out there that are affecting the church, that yes, are affecting our nation, they're affecting our ability to carry out the commission that God has given us, and that, you know what, you need to make some phone calls. You need to send some emails. Because I guarantee you one thing, folks, and I want you to keep this in mind. The other side is. The other side is. Yeah, I'm not looking. You know what? We, we, we serve the king. We're, 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 part, we're citizens of another kingdom. I get all that. But we're also called to be salt and light here. And if we're going to effectively live out that kingdom living, if we're going to effectively communicate the kingdom message, then we may, we've got to be concerned about the kingdom we live in right now. We've got to be concerned. So I ask you, can we remain silent when we see our government confusing, challenging, the definitions of gender. Allowing the boys to play in girls' sports. Going to the locker rooms. Going to the showers. Is that what you want happening with your daughters? You see? And maybe you think, well, I don't have any kids in school, so I don't got to worry about it. You got grandkids. You got nieces and nephews. You see? Are we going to remain silent? Are we going to remain silent when live birth abortion is cheered in state houses? Are we going to remain silent? Are we going to remain silent when churches will be forced to celebrate and participate in the redefining of biblical marriage and sexuality? Are we going to remain silent? Are we going to remain silent when porn and sleaze are protected speech, but Dr. Seuss, Pepe Le Pew, and Dumbo are branded as offensive? Are we going to remain silent? See, that's the point that I want to get across this morning, folks. I don't think we're addressing our culture right. I think we're addressing it based on how we were approached rather than how it's needed approach today. We've got to know what's taking place. Without a doubt, without a doubt, we are to love God, aren't we? Supremely. We've got it right up here. Love God supremely, love others intently. That's the great commandment. Our devotion to God should be number one. But we ought to be able to look through the eyes of God at people and love them. Not agree with them. You see what I'm talking about? Not agree, but love them to a place where we're willing to do what it takes to reach them with the gospel of Christ. Because you know what? That's how God loved us, wasn't it? 
He did what it took to reach us with his message of love, and that was send Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God take away the sin of the world. We're to love. We're also to speak the truth in love, aren't we? Speaking in love. Not speaking to hurt, not speaking to offend. Listen, you don't have to worry about offending people. If you're presenting the Word of God, it'll offend people. The Word of God is offensive, all right? But nonetheless, we do it in love, not in bitterness, not in looking at somebody and saying, why don't you straighten up? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about seeing, seeing, seeing through the veneer. Seeing through the tattoos, seeing through the piercings, seeing through the goofy cut. We got this girl at work and everything, and every day she comes in and her hair is a different color. You know? I don't even think she knows her natural color. You know? Look past that. Look past that. Look through the eyes of Christ and see the soul that he sees. You see? Preaching the truth in love. Loving God. Loving man. So here's, what, here's my thought. And here's how I'm wrapping this whole thing up. We speak out to the struggles of the home, seeking to strengthen and build a solid foundation so that, so that home can be a sure and, a sure and a solid place for family, biblical family, okay, to come together in a place of safety, a place of encouragement, a place of nourishment. You see, that's what the home is. We address those things. We address when the church, when the church has issues, when the church has struggles and all, we address that. We address it through prayer. We address it through the word of God. We address it through God's people coming together, and we should do that. When you look at the New Testament, what was Paul doing? Yes, he was laying foundation for doctrine and everything, but in many cases, he was straightening things out. Go read the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians. That's what he was doing. Straighten things out. So we understand that the home is a God-ordained institution. We understand the church is a God-ordained institution. But why then do we remain silent on the government when it too is a God-ordained institution established by God for a specific purpose? And the bottom line is, and you and I know, you and I are old enough to know, when you've got good government, Life's a lot easier, isn't it? You don't have good government. You got issues. You got issues. And maybe for too long, God's people have remained silent and have not acquainted themselves with what needs to be addressed. I'm not talking about having a political rally here. I'm not talking about marching you know, candidates in front of us. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm talking about know what's going on and be willing to use the avenues that are before you to let them know, to let them know. I think that's an obligation that we as God's people have. Would you bow your heads, please? Heads bowed and eyes closed.